0: Hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons.
1: And this is Shelley Nelson.
0: Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast, where we interview successful visionaries and leaders, giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations.
1: We're very excited to have Ryan Jeffrey on today's episode. Ryan is the founder and co-CEO of Ignite. Ryan has a very interesting story of going from working at LightBank to creating an organization that develops early to mid-level leaders through experiential learning. Ryan is also a member at the Future Founders Foundation. Clearly, he has a passion for developing and coaching people to become their best. Both Patrick and I are very excited about having him with us today.
0: Hi, Ryan. Welcome to
2: the show. Thank you for having me.
1: Ryan, if you wouldn't mind, can you share with our audience what Ignite is all about and how you came to making leadership development part of your career path?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Great place to start and uh, appreciate you both having me on here today. I think one of the things that that we believe uh, fundamentally at Ignite is that we need a new kind of leader in the world, Um, one that's better prepared, one that has the character and the competence in order to lead in a complex world. Uh, my background, as you mentioned, Shelley, I worked in venture capital for a couple of years investing and getting really in depth with a lot of early stage companies. I was a founder of a company uh, that grew pretty quickly, raised about $35 million, uh, grew to about 150 people in just under two years. And I saw the challenges that existed in developing uh, the best kind of leader and a new kind of leader for the world. I think leadership is kind of this icky word among millennials and Gen Zs. Uh, who don't see leaders really enveloping what it is required in order to lead a people-first organization and be on top of their game in terms of impact and purpose. And so what we're all about is, is developing a more purposeful, more holistic, well-rounded leader, um, because that's the type of leader that's needed um, in this new kind of world that we're in. And My path um, has been uh, seeing that firsthand, seeing the need that exists around that, um, and then going out and saying, all right, this doesn't currently exist in the world. If you look at traditional leadership development, a lot of it's fairly misaligned, uh, ineffective for how millennials, Gen Z want to learn. Um, it's not about just putting them into a conference room and lecturing to them uh, for an hour and a half or two hours. Uh, it's about getting them out into the real world. Um, and, and that's my philosophy. That's what we uh, try to to spread and and do at Ignite is this really experiential, immersive type of learning that develops a better kind of leader in the world um, that, that's needed nowadays.
0: So exactly who is uh, like your target? We mentioned that mid-level to early leader. Yeah. So... Where are you finding these people and who who's like your target audience or target? Yeah. Is it a customer? Would you call it a customer? Or like- sure, yeah. I
2: think one of the things that we've noticed, and, and again, this is my past as well and in growing and building other organizations and a pretty common theme that, that I think people see is people don't leave jobs, they leave their managers, right? 75% of people say that they're most stressful and their worst part of their job is their manager or mm-hmm. their boss, right? And the reason why is because there's a lot of really great individual contributors who are really effective at their day-to-day job, who are put into management positions as companies grow, but aren't given the required or the necessary training on what it's like to manage people, to build interpersonal skills, relationship skills, emotional intelligence, inclusivity, those sorts of things that are required in today's workplace. And so, really, who we're going after, who are who's part of our community, part of our uh, membership uh, at Ignite, are those that are in early to mid-level management roles, um, who are in the most uh, need of, of developing those sorts of skills and are most seeking those types of, of leadership competencies. And that's who we're really working with. We go and we work with companies like Active Campaign, Bench Prep. P and G, other types of, of of companies that are trying to recognize they understand for hey we need a better kind of leader an organization that's going to be more engaging and effective uh, at developing our people and and that's the type of of companies that we go after but it's also individuals individuals that are really looking for personal and professional growth that are want to learn and cultivate skills that make them better people, better leaders of their organization, and better influencers in their community uh, overall. Uh, and so that's who we're working with and who are a part of our our community overall.
1: Ryan, I don't know any other organization that provides that leadership development and that immersion. Uh, just very impressed with with what you've done and curious who some of your your speakers are that you've brought in.
2: Yeah, we've got a a pretty deep network of coaches, facilitators, thought leaders, people that come in and and help to um, facilitate or organize our experiences. We do weekly experiences as part of this community, and it's uh, pretty intimate. There are about 20 to 30 people in general that come together from these different organizations for these weekly training experiences, but we pull in uh, people that are experts at their particular domain um, to help lead these experiences and these trainings. We wrap it all around these. this really active conversation around tangible takeaways, around building real relationships with this cohort of peers that they're with. And so we're constantly finding, working with new coaches, uh, new thought leaders. We work with, as an example, Amanda Lannert, um led a, a conversation around her leadership journey. She's the CEO of, of Jelly Vision. Uh, Johnny Immerman, um, who ran, uh, co-founded uh, uh, Immerman Angels. But we work with a number of different coaches who are experts at emotional intelligence, self-awareness, um, on, on building more inclusive teams overall, and then we work also with nonprofits so we've got an experience on uh, storytelling social justice, and resilience and working with a nonprofit who works with recently incarcerated uh juvenile delinquents on bringing their story to life through uh plays and through through storytelling and so we believe that it's about developing more than just themselves, more than just their individual leadership competencies as a company, which oftentimes is aligned align with profit and, uh, and sometimes sucking uh, the soul out of people. We believe it's much more than that. It's about leading uh, around yourself, around your community, um, being a more wholehearted leader as well, and so we try to get different perspectives, different people, um, diverse, dynamic backgrounds to the table um, for this sort of uh, personal and professional growth that we're that we're cultivating.
0: It's a, it's a great point. The complicated and diverse skills, the very non-taught skills, are very not hard science skills, right? Right. The emotional intelligence, the awareness, uh, all you know. Especially in the tech space, right? Yeah. where most of having a tech background, uh, we spend a lot of time on, on engineering. Yeah. And so I guess um, one of the concepts that I always wonder about, and I'd love to get your definition because this is what you do as a professional, you know, manager versus leader, right? I think those terms get inter- intertwined and mistakenly so. And so how is it that you see those uh, those two different concepts of being a manager which is a little bit more on the soul sucking side yeah, yeah, right
2: yeah uh, well I think it's you know one of the things that we've learned as we've as we've grown this community and brought really diverse people into what we're building is that leaders don't need a title right you don't need to have a manager title in order to be a leader you can lead and build culture and influence within your own circle at a company. And you don't need to necessarily, what we've noticed and what we see is you don't need to be, have the definition or have the title of a manager or director. Uh, and I think that's missed by a lot of people in the workplace. They say, well, I'm, I'm not directly managing people. I don't have the ability to change or influence or, or modify things here. And and I think the reality is that you absolutely do. You have the ability just with your day-to-day interactions, how you have and and build conversations and relationships internally, how you go out and lead in your community, um, you have the ability to do that. And so we see the leader as much more than just the title. We see it as as the person uh, internally influencing change, um, building more inclusive cultures, helping to inject uh, motivation and creativity into the job. You don't need a title in order to do that. And that's what we're all about at, at Ignite. And that's what we've noticed is we've we've built this over time.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I hear that all the time with our clients and even with our other people that I've met, you know, they don't feel like they have permission to lead, mm-hmm. right? I don't have agency here yeah. to take action, right? That's that's, And it's not that it's not my job, but it's almost like, I don't think i should it's not what i'm supposed to be doing and it might actually even get me in trouble a little bit is that more of a symptom of the individual i always think like is it there's a concept around the way that communication organs organizations are structured right when you think about like an org chart communication lines get formed that way and responsibilities and like is that more of an outcome of that of like that kind of organizational structure is it more about like the culture? And I guess from you, I guess it's probably everything, but I guess is there something that you've seen certain organizations do that empower the individual to, to step up to be that leader at that moment?
2: Well, we've seen in, in really successful organizations that we work with who are doing this really well. I think it's a couple things. One is they hold this value of being a people first organization. And so they understand the importance of uh, investing in their people. Um, They see that on a human level uh, or on a a foundational level, all of their employees are people, are real humans. And so they optimize around that Uh, instead of just numbers on a spreadsheet, instead of just moving people around um, or employees around. They see them more as people who have unique desires, who have unique ability to influence change within their organization and give people the power and the ability to, to make those or create those changes Instead of micromanaging and trying to top down, hey, this is the culture that we're going to to have, Um, a lot of great organizations see that culture is built everywhere and it's built in day-to-day conversations um, with people who may not be at the executive level. And those are great organizations that understand that and put that forward. And then I think the other part of it, too, that we see is that the, the great organizations that are doing this really well are those that understand that no matter what the role is at that company that there is some sort of purpose or impact to that right you could have a back office job um, that is just moving numbers around say an accountant or, or or similar type of role but that still has outcome on your clients on on the purpose of your organization and what companies oftentimes where they get it wrong is not in Uh, it's not injecting that purpose company-wide and saying, hey, you all have purpose and impact that you're doing to make the world a better place. All companies exist for some reason. And being able to communicate that at all levels of organization and be able to showcase, hey, and and provide line of sight to the impact and the purpose that all individuals are making in their day-to-day job, that's where companies get it really well. And those are the people that we see who are really motivated to put in that discretionary effort, go a little bit beyond what their requirements are, uh, and start to lead more effectively overall.
1: It's interesting, Ryan, that you said discretionary. I was at a conference yesterday, and and I heard a uh, professor speak, and he said you can always tell when an employee is engaged when they use their own discretionary time, uh, you know, to come up with new ideas or to come in the office the next day and say, "Wow, you know, I was thinking about our situation last night, and here's." Uh, some options, or here's some things we might consider. Um, so just interesting that you mentioned that word.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think one of the, the biggest areas that's really hard to to quantify, you know, in 360 reviews and assessments, and those things don't quite get at it, is that discretionary effort of what, will he, what are employees willing to put in beyond their day-to-day job. And that's where great organizations are made, um, is oftentimes in that added conversation of, hey, I had this idea, um, You know, this this idea may have been in the shower that morning, but I had this idea of how we can make our our organization more effective or more efficient. Um, And it may not always be the right idea and it may fail. But I think that's that's part of another aspect that I think you brought up is I think about that, too, is. The companies that inject this this culture of it's okay to fail, right? It's okay to bring in some of those ideas and talk through them. Even if they're not right, we're not going to put you down and we're not going to say that's not your place to try to inject that sort of change. Um, Rather, having this culture of all ideas can be brought to the table and that's what makes us better. That's what great organizations do. And I think that that antidote, Shelley, is perfect. A couple of thoughts that come to mind with that. Autonomy
0: of, right, one human beings drive on autonomy, right? Mm -hmm. It's part of what we as independent beings need, right? That's well identified, being respected, all those things. That's how you keep people in a positive, right? If they feel disrespected in in any way, or, you know, you talk about creating that psychological safety, right? That an organization like, hey, you know, everybody here, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not going to get fired, you're not (laughs) going to be disabused, anything like that. The, the concept of, and I think the innovation concept that you touch on of like, Hey, we can try different things here. You know, one of the thoughts that I always have around that is, uh, one, the accountability of mm-hmm. the role and, and top to bottom, I agree a hundred percent, right? The person who answers the phone, do they understand the difference that they're going to have on customers sure. impact if they answer on the second call, the yeah. second ring, not the third or the fourth, mm-hmm. right? And that has a, that does have a direct impact on how people feel about organizations. And so that accountability, helping people understand the number, right? Everybody should have one number, right? What is your one number that you're being graded on? Not 90 that you'll never be successful at, but also that locality, right? Where it's like, I understand my position. I understand how I relate to other parts of the organization and I feel safe to innovate within my locality, yeah, right? Yeah. That like, I can do a better job, but only if you actually know what the outcomes are that are gonna be appreciated. Yeah, And sometimes I think like that's a trickle down of leadership sure, or more times than not, the lack of leadership, yeah. right? Creating that kind of vision. I, I see that a lot now is like, is that part of the challenge when you see some of the, the folks that, especially in a lot of organizations where they're trying to drive costs well or not create greater value, right? There isn't a vision of where we're going. You you know, as a founder, you under, you know, you look at founder-led organizations yeah. and how much it's that person who's setting a 20-year vision, not how am I going to maximize my return this quarter.
2: Yeah, I think a big element of that to kind of build on it is trust, right? It's is being able to, yes, obviously have the vision for where you want to go, but you have to have the trust to be able to delegate. And this is what leadership is in a lot of ways, right? It's delegating and delegation. Uh, Everybody needs to do it. Nobody likes to talk about it. It's kind of, again, a icky word, but everybody needs to delegate if you're going to be a leader. And in order to do so, you have to be able to trust the people that you're working with and give them the ability to fail. And give them the ability to come to the table with new ideas and new thoughts uh, to take action, and so
0: and the ability to learn
2: and the ability to learn absolutely right. right? Um, but I think a big part of that is if you're delegating and there's no real vision for for where that action is going to go, right? That one that you're talking about, then there's no motivation to do that, right? There's no motivation to get them to actually take action on that. Or or maybe there is because there's a stick that's involved instead of a carrot, and, and so they get it done, but they don't really learn, <laughs> to your point, they don't learn why they did that. And so they're not able to then continue to do that down the road without you having to ask them. And so delegation comes with this really important flame that you have to continue to light um, that's around making sure that they understand and they see Hey, there's reason for me continuing to do this, and that's about the vision that you're building as a founder, as a as a as a leader of your organization. To say, hey, this is where we're going. This is this is what we're doing in the world. This is the impact that we can have if we all come together. And yeah, maybe you answering that phone on the second ring because our customers are gonna be that much happier. Or it could be something else that gets people motivated. It doesn't really matter, but it's around. Hey, we're doing something that's really powerful here that's leadership coming and getting around the table and getting everybody on the same page around that motivating toward that common goal where it starts to erode is where there isn't that common vision or that vision that's really shared with everybody. Um, and there's, there's lack of transparency. Um, there's trust issues, right? Uh, there's delegation issues that come from that and it's everybody kind of in it for themselves. And that's where leadership becomes soul sucking because you're just trying to increase profits without, increasing value (laughs) and and the only way you can do that uh is by then decreasing costs uh and when people see that that's when they run to the door and obviously in a really tight economy tight market you can't you can't do that and that's a whole nother conversation i uh the stick
0: the carrot right positive negative reinforcement one of my uh luckiest decisions in life was marrying a teacher (laughs) and like learning how to properly motivate people and like watching her with second graders I had an epiphany of like, let's try this out on adults, <laughs> and it's amazingly effective. Human beings at whatever age, we're all motivated by positive reinforcement, and yep. that's right. In the stick scenario, the negative reinforcement, you don't learn anything other than how to avoid the stick, right? But you don't get to that discretionary effort until you feel joy, yep. you know. So the dopamine goes off, and and you're feeling great about yourself, and you're going. Hey, let me do this again. And there's a great book, uh, by Aubrey Daniels that goes through all of this that I, I read a couple of years back that I think is really fantastic. It's a very big book, but it really covers like the three different phases of, of motivation of the, the positive reinforcement, the negative reinforcement, and then the lack of, you know, on the positive reinforcement, there's the praise, right? On yeah. yeah. the negative is the punishment and penalty, right? And then I think what happens in most of, and don't get me wrong, I, I haven't worked in corporate America in a long time, but I do work with corporate America. There's this concept of the gulf, and mm-hmm. that is when you use negative reinforcement, you do get reactions. People sure. will go through pain aversion. Yeah. Right? You go through positive, you're trying to drive towards that yeah. discretionary effort. More times than not, what I see with leaders is no action. There's a behavior that needs to be fixed right, or addressed. Yeah. I shouldn't use the word fixed, but you know, needs to be addressed. And it goes unaddressed yeah. and because it is, it, it kind of calcifies sure, and then becomes the way we do things. yeah. And so is that something you're seeing with folks of like, they're, they're just so used to like, Hey, something bad happened. And as a leader, your job is to yeah. do something. And even if it's negative reinforcement, my opinion, negative reinforcements, not bad in the vacuum of you don't have any other ideas mm-hmm. because you'll at least get an action sure. that you could potentially praise. Yeah. Uh, but the gulf seems so much more
2: pernicious. Well, I think there's a, there's a, uh, I mean, there's certainly a rabbit hole that we can go down to in terms of behavioral psychology and even around child development, right? In terms of there's uh, what we see and, and certainly what our community and some of our experiences ensure that that we're effectively teaching is the sense of there there is a tangible action that that comes from it, right? And I think there's go back to your point though around people are almost immobilized by the sense of uh, not taking action when somebody has some sort of behavior that they need to, to change. It's, it's oftentimes due to this fear mechanism that exists around, I don't want people not to like me, right? Right. <laughs> I don't want to go and tell this person that he's wrong or, right. or give them some sort of action because it's easier not to. It's easier not to say anything at all than it is to have those hard conversations which may be perceived by that person as, as sometimes being potentially negative, right? If you're telling somebody that hey, you're doing you're doing this job that isn't uh, the way that it should be done or whatever it may be, or there's a better way to do it, there's always this fear that, that I'm not going to be liked. And, and so there's a right way to do that. and there's like intrinsic extrinsic motivation around getting people to take action in a certain way, but oftentimes that first step for a leader is just to take that first step and have a conversation, right? right? And make sure that you're talking about, hey, this is this is the behavior that's going to set you up for success, right? And if you make it about them and their goals and, and what they want to do in the world and make it something that ties back to their own motivation, that's where it can be effective. If it's about me as a leader, that's where it's, well, hold on now. That's where it can get into some troubled waters. but. Oftentimes, it's first just taking that step and being able to say, Hey, we need to take action on this. (laughs) And and people are immobilized that because of that fear, but you need to get over that and and challenge yourself as a leader to have those conversations and and make sure that you're doing that on an ongoing, regular basis.
0: I built software for a leadership coaching company way, way back when. And in one of their surveys, they had this interesting question, and you can only pick one of two answers. And it was in regards to conflict, one, I run from conflict. Two, I run towards conflict. <laughs> and I remember thinking as I was writing up the code, like, well, what about the third one? Like, I'll engage in conflict when I have to. Yeah. And I asked the, the, the uh, PhD who had written it up, and I, I asked him, like, why isn't that one of the options? Because it's not a real option. <laughs> You're either one or the other. Yeah. There's no middle ground here. So the question I have when it comes to, like, developing leadership skills, and his, com- his contention, I'm not saying he's right, I'm just saying his contention was that for you to be a successful leader You have to race towards conflict. You have to have a conflict bias Mm. that you you are good with embracing, not conflict, like I'm going to go yell at somebody, but understanding that, like, I might not be liked at the end of this equation,
1: Yeah,
0: right? Is that something that you see with the people that you work with? Is there, like, if you said, like, there's a percentage of the people that you have come in, where would you put that number around, like, people who are a little bit more on the
2: fight or flight? I mean, people are different journeys along their uh, along their leadership path, right? And so, um, and and so, people have different ways of of leading overall. Our philosophy, our mentality, and, and kind of our curriculum, our framework, um, is that action is better than inaction, right? That going out and actually having those conversations, those hard conversations. Even just asking a question. Even just asking a question. Right. Right? Why our, did you our, do that? Exactly. Or better than not, Than, than not, right? right? There's a whole lot of factors around that. But we also take it a step beyond that as, as we think about how we're training and, and developing leaders is that there's, there's an effective way to do that and there's an ineffective way to do that, right? And there's an effective way to do that around being more self-aware around what your actions, what your body language, what your, even the inflection of your tone, how you're listening to people, those sorts of things, how it directs, how that conversation goes versus how it doesn't. And that's what we try to develop in leaders is understanding, hey, there's a really good way to do that, to have those conversations. The first step is to take that action, but there's a really good way to to really motivate and get people aligned around that, understanding their intrinsic, extrinsic motivation First, understanding that everybody's different uh, mm-hmm. in this and you have to lead people differently. It's not a one-size-fits-all, which is, I think, a little bit of around this traditional leadership development is kind of this one-size-fits-fits-all mentality. Let's just slap on a training. You know, it could be around diversity and inclusion. It could be around motivation or communication. One-size-fits-all. It doesn't necessarily work. It has to be more in tune with that individual and being able to get them motivated around what, what they care about. Everybody has different experiences, and that's true for leadership and and what they want to do in terms of their overall goals uh, long term.
1: So Ryan, if we could, I'd love to go back and talk about your first stint as a founder. I, I know you've done this a couple of times, and Patrick and I have talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, and it seems as though there's a theme in terms of you know what they thought they wanted to create. Uh, certainly changed over time or or through their experiences. So just curious if you could share some thoughts on that.
2: For me, I've always been on the mentality, and this baby comes from a little bit of, I mean, my first job out of of college was at a a pretty big venture capital firm here, investing in companies and, and seeing the progression of ideas in the early stages, how they transform and change as the company grows and as you take it to market and as you start to get feedback from people and actually talk to customers and have seen just about every company that I've been involved with, the idea that you initially have is never the idea that actually comes to market six months or a year later. Um, And I think being able to adapt and be flexible based on market demands, based on what the market says, based on what your customers say is a really important quality of, of any entrepreneur. And I think part of that is accepting that, you're oftentimes going to be wrong, and you're going to fail um in different approaches and even you know candidly with ignite we've we've changed our model as as we've gone down this path initially ignite when we launched three years ago was focused on these international experiences these were these really um powerful inspiring experiences to Africa and to Latin America that were four days to a week long that we'd be facilitating for companies to help them develop more globally uh, minded leaders. And while we still do that, we realized that there was a much bigger need and a bigger opportunity in developing and cultivating this community uh, where people could much more easily come together and participate in these experiences here in Chicago. And so that's what we you know, pivoted, <laughs> to use a, a overused term, uh, into is uh, we change and we recognize that we were wrong before. And so I think a big part of an entrepreneur's journey is recognizing, understanding when they're wrong and being able to course correct quickly. And that's what makes a really good leader. uh, I think uh, as well as understanding that there are different dynamics and different people that come into play and you have to be flexible and willing to change direction or change course. And that's not you know, with, with every piece of feedback, you change what you do, but but you have to be receptive to that and, and understand that sometimes you're going to be wrong and sometimes you're going to fail. Um, you're going to come out stronger on the other end when you're able to overcome those sorts of things and at least recognize, hey, I'm not infallible. I get things wrong. I understand that and I'm going to be okay and, and better because of that on the other end.
0: Yeah. Very oftentimes uh, when you hit those faces, I try to remind everybody the cost of education,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Like, yeah. welcome to it. You you get a very, you get unique experience of seeing, uh, not false victories, right? Yeah. Not not manufactured victories, but real victories. Can't have real victories without some some you know mistakes.
2: Yeah, and I think part of that too is being really really purposeful about recognizing when things aren't going right. I think there's this. You know, distortion field, I uh, talk about a lot in entrepreneurship, but, but that that founders uh, put themselves through that my idea can never be wrong. It's my baby. It has to be right. And when that wall comes down a little bit, you're able to understand that, well, maybe there's a better approach or a different approach. That's, I think, where uh, some of the best ideas are born. Um, and it's, it's that going back to what you said earlier, Patrick, about it's the running towards that conflict or away from it. I think as an entrepreneur, a fun, you have to run towards that that fear uh, in some ways and understand that it's going to be okay and you're going to be okay when you get out on the other side of it.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, – and from a leader standpoint, right? Like the uh, entrepreneurs are just even leaders in regular organizations, right? You know, you've got to call yep. it out fast. Yep, right? absolutely. And address it, but do it in a, in a productive way. Yep. You know, uh, this is not dwell on the past, not like ruminate, not go over it, shame, blame you know all, you know all that bad stuff uh, but really you say okay well that happened
2: yeah right how are we gonna get better now that's right how are we gonna get better as a team as an organization
0: right? <laughs> when I started uh, w- one of my previous companies there was about a two- year period where like every Monday morning I'd wake up and the first thought I'd have is are we dead <laughs> right <laughs> yep we're, we're, not, we're not but all right put your feet on the floor let's get going right yep. you know the water's still running in the, in the bathroom we're still good kids are fat, got food uh, and I mean that's a, that's a different type of experience. But I think, you know, some of the things that you talk about, I've seen it in a lot of the material. It's like uh, I saw an image on on, on your website about uh, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really like that phrase. If you could explain what that means
2: to you. Well, I think it's the sense that we're always constantly pushing ourselves. And I think that whether it's at an organizational level, at a, at a team level, at a, at a personal level, that we've always got uh, something to learn. You know, it goes back to kind of the, the growth mindset mentality of, of there's always something more out there that I can be learning, that I can be doing to make myself better. We're constantly trying to optimize and make ourselves the best versions of, of who we are. And we truly believe that as part of the community that we're cultivating and Ignite with individuals and with companies that we work with is that we want people that genuinely believe that they wanna become and they're looking to become the best version of themselves. And that that means that you're learning. And and to learn, you don't do it in a silo. Uh, You don't do it in a way in which you're not pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. You have to be constantly looking at ways to push yourself outside of your comfort zone that's what leadership is in a lot of ways. Um, and you have to be willing to do that. And that's where the journey begins for us. Uh, and, and is a really important part of, of any big, great story that exists out there.
0: Yeah. Also a great book is that mindset you touched on, yeah. right? Uh, having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Yeah. And uh, uh, again, I, I think that's a great book for everybody. It'll impact you as, as some as a, you know, fellow employee, yeah. as somebody who leads people, as somebody who's led by people, as a parent, as a spouse, right? You really kind of get a better understanding of like, why am I reacting this way? And it, it, you, you get some hard look at yourself where it's like, I think there's different zones of, of your life where it's like you have a, maybe a more of a growth mindset than a fixed mindset of like... You know, this area I'm a little more insecure about, so I'm triggered, right? Or maybe my identity is a little bit more hardwired to this concept than that concept, right? If I go to CrossFit, I'm going to have a growth mindset all day because, like, (laughs) I don't really care about it. So it's easy to have a growth mindset there. Like, oh, I didn't really make it through, and I had to do, like, the push-ups the soft way, and that's okay, right? But then when it comes to technology, maybe I have a little bit more invested in there. so so one of the other concepts I, I i want to talk about is like as you're growing your business or growing your team or growing anything right you know sometimes you see you know i use this concept with a lot of the entrepreneurs that i've worked with either in vistage or i've known in vistage and other organizations where you know the entrepreneur is the engine of the organization in many ways right it, it makes the thing go right it's their their gumption their energy their idea right they they exhilarate a team and they get it going and the, and the visual I always have is this idea of like a horse and a cart, and the the entrepreneur the the leader is the horse and is pulling the cart and really getting the cart to start moving, and then it starts picking up speed and one of the the tricks from my perspective of like successful entrepreneurs is how do you move from pulling the cart to riding on the cart yeah and then then the ninja move is actually skiing behind the cart mm-hmm. right, so that like you're mildly tolerated in your own business, right? Because you're the dumbest person there, right? Which should be your goal, right? So it's like, should we run it by the old man? He's an idiot. Awesome. That is the objective, right? So uh, from that perspective, though, there's too many times I see people who get good at being the horse and then they get tired and then the cart runs them over. Yeah. And like, so from your experience of like, how do you take the people who are doing the work and infuse them with those types of leadership skills so that they can start lessening the burden. But also I think creating greater innovation in the organization to your
2: point that locality and, and yeah. accountability. Well, I think some of it is what can be taught and what can't. I think that if you're that horse and, and you're leading that organization in the early stages, first of all, you have to be running in a lane that you're really, really excited and passionate about running in. If you're running on a path where you're just not that excited to continue to wake up and run every day and continue to to be that horse that guides that organization because you're going down a path that you're not that excited about it has to first of all be something that you're absolutely 100% uh committed to and excited about knowing that the path potentially changes but that you have a guiding star that that you're at least viewing down the line that you're running towards and and so that I think that's the the fundamental part of it and it's not where I think a lot of, of people get that wrong, it's not in in building something. The end goal should not be in building something that you can sell in two years or three years, right? It's not entrepreneurship for the sake of I'm going to flip this to Facebook or Google. It's about it's about building a company that's going to be around a hundred years from now. And what is that sort of organization or company that I'm that I'm building that people are are going to be able to come on board with, and I'm going to be able to lead initially, and then and then as you said, ski on on the back of? It's first of all getting that right. And I think some of the tangible skills that kind of come along with that as you, as you build and as you grow as a leader um, are, and you talked about it earlier, but what we view is really important. This is just in our work at, at Ignite. A lot of those skills that are more technical in nature um, can be taught um, on an online course or whatever. We, we see that a lot of the more essential skills are what people call the soft skills today, right? It's the essential skills, though, around building relationships that are really strong around being self-aware, around being empathetic around your team and understanding that they are their own humans that have their own desires and goals, and you're trying to get them along with, with what you care about. It's about understanding that in order for my company to be really, really strong, I need to build a really inclusive team uh, and, and diverse team that can come along with that. It's those sorts of things that we really preach and we really see as the important foundation of leadership in the world today. That other organizations or other leadership development companies aren't doing a good job of, of developing, and that's why we want igniting to exist um, is because that sort of powerful type of learning we believe can only happen through getting out into the community, learning it with other cohorts of, of peers, and being able to do it in a way in which you're you're taking tangible application back with you. And so some of those sorts of skills that come along with building, growing a team, uh, are those things that can be learned, <laughs> that can be developed in in people, and and understanding what's going to motivate somebody, what's going to bring somebody along for that ride, is really important, and that's where that's where ignite comes in on, on that path.
0: Well, I think your your mission is really impressive. I think it's definitely needed. I think the lack of leadership development in in the new ways that are required mm-hmm. for organization to be successful is, is absolutely underinvested in at this point. And you know some of the organizations that you brought up. It's clear that they have a commitment and they understand that this is going to be the difference. Mm-hmm. So uh I think everybody who spends time listening to our podcast or participates in some of the roundtables, oh. innovation requires leadership, right? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? Yep. And then inspiring, building a strong relationship, building trust. Yeah. Right. There's such critical elements. So uh, I I would invite everyone listening to you know check out Ignite, see if it's a good fit. There's a lot of really great reviews I've read. A lot of people that I know have participated and they've all had such wonderful experiences. So thank you. I want to say thank you for coming on the show and uh, sharing your experiences. It's been really a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I I really appreciate uh, the conversation and be able to share some of this with, with everyone.
1: Thanks, Ryan.
2: Thank you, Shelley.
0: So we also wanted to thank our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us today.
1: And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This episode was sponsored by Dragonspears and produced by Dante32.